when I graduated high school, I went uh, back to Puerto Rico. I stayed there for like a month or two with my mom just to visit and stuff. And there was a kid there. He was about maybe 14 or 15. Where we grew up in Puerto Rico was a pretty bad area. But you could tell that at that point of his life, he was in the middle of like choosing a side. So it's either he's going to go left or he's going to go right. So uh, fast forward a couple years later and my mom calls me. He's like, hey, you remember Yampi? Like ended up getting killed. You know what I mean? Out there. And it's just like that's when I found that out, I was like, if you don't have guidance, you don't have a chance. Welcome to the Waste No Day podcast, a podcast specifically for and about the home services industry as it relates to plumbing, heating, air conditioning and electrical. More than a podcast, Waste No Day is a credo, a determination, a mindset. It is a never ending discipline. It is a refuse-to-lose pursuit. It is a wake-up call every morning to waste no day. Now here's your hosts, Brian Burton and Nate Minnick. Welcome to another episode of the Waste No Day podcast. Your hosts, Nate and Brian, are hanging out with you once again. And man, do we have another great episode for you. We are actually, and necessarily intentionally, turning something from a one episode into a three episode series. Yeah, three part series. (laughs) So we had uh, none other than John Perez on the show last week. And it kind of came up in the course of conversation that his best friend, Brandon Hernandez, uh, played a big part in his life, so we decided to get him on this week. Actually, Brandon decided to get himself. Okay, on Brandon this decided week. to get himself on. He just texted me after hearing John's episode and said, <laughs> "When can I record?" And he ended up in here what three hours later on yeah. the on the uh, yeah. studio couch it recording no thing. the episode. Ain't, yeah, no problem. And sure enough, Brandon's brother, Mr. Billy Alfaro, is going to be on next week. So we kind of took something from one episode, one week to three. And we're really excited to have on the show today, Brandon Hernandez. And it's not every day, Brian, that we bring on an ex-employee. Oh, I just kind of let it out of the bag there. Yeah, it's not every day because it's never happened. but we're excited to have him on and we're going to be talking with him about his story and so much more before we do that as we always do we're going to break some stuff down for you and brian's going to have our quote he who sweats most in training bleeds least in war greek proverb yeah unless you're the guy running first with the gun (laughs) yeah you might bleed pretty much you sweat most maybe you won't be on the front line (laughs) But that, uh, more than anything, well, I'd say it's twofold. It's a, it's a nod to our technicians who are going through some pretty rigorous training right now as a result of the uh, guest presentation trainer, Gene Slade, that we brought in a few weeks ago. We've been really running with the material um, and, and kind of blending it into our own current material and really doing some hardcore training and a lot of role-playing and the guys are really taking it seriously and, and um, running with it, and they're they're uh, improving as a result, wildly improving as a result. And also because Brandon Hernandez is not only a – well, I mean, he, he came out of trade school and trained very hard to become a plumber and, and got into his own truck very quickly. I mean, nearly record speed for our company, which for a company that puts guys into – into their own trucks fairly quickly anyway. Um, and certainly I've, I've 
spent my management career trying to speed that process up so we don't have people coming out of trade school or wherever they're coming from looking down the barrel of three to five years before they're in their own truck. Now, does that mean they're going on call and running all kinds of various uh, plumbing and HVAC and electrical situations? Not at all, but they might get to start by running maintenance calls much sooner than they normally would at most companies. Um, But through rigorous training, Brandon got himself into his own truck very quickly and then left here to go be a police officer and had to go through the academy, which I imagine is physically draining and takes a lot of sweat and, and, um, you know, personal accountability. And then he went and decided to join the SWAT team and had to go through what it takes to get him there. And I'll let him tell that story, but be it training in your career in the trades or training in your career in law enforcement or what have you, the people who train the most perform the best. That's just a hundred percent accurate. And we can see it when we role play our presentations in here. Uh, it, it's, I mean, it's not 90%, it's 100% accurate that the men and women who train the most and who flawlessly execute their role play like they've been doing this in their mirror and their truck and at home with their spouse or their kids or their friends, they go out and make the most money. The ones who train the hardest bleed the least. It's just all there is to it. Yeah, it's good stuff, Brian. And why you may be asking the question, you know, why are we having on somebody who actually exited the trades on our show? And it's it's for a number of reasons. One, because he's just a good guy and he's got a he's got a great story and we want to hear more about that. Uh, two, his life, his decisions have had impacts upon others who are still in the trades. And three, it illustrates the concept of of uh, building building upon layers, building upon foundations, or you might say grow where you're planted uh, because you never know when you might move into another industry, another area, another, another position and be able to use the things that you've learned in that previous spot for what you're doing now. And that's a really uh, big thing that I want to talk about is, is the concept of learning and refining and maturing yourself in whatever you're doing right now. Don't overlook the fact that that, that process that evolution of who you are right now will absolutely affect what you're going to be doing next. And that could be in the same company in a different, a different position, maybe move up or maybe move horizontally, or as in Brandon's case, it could be a totally different industry. But as I'm sure we're going to hear in his story today, the things that he learned, not only in school and what that whole process was, but getting into the trades, getting in front of homeowner homeowners, dealing with difficult situations, making some mistakes along the way, I bet, and everything that goes into that, the things that he learned in that whole uh, training process, while he didn't consider it necessarily training at the time, absolutely became instrumental in what he was going to become eventually. And so it's one of those things where you don't often Uh, sit back and think about, you know, what I'm doing today is going to have drastic impacts upon what I'm doing tomorrow, but it can and absolutely does work that way. And I think we're going to hear that in Brandon's case. I would also say he's, he's on the show. uh, And I I don't want to say despite being an ex-employee because Brandon is a friend of mine and a friend of yours and a friend of many people who work hopefully here. a future employee as well. Yeah. We're still yeah. trying. Let's, let's talk him into at least retiring here. <laughs> um, but he's a, he's a still a friend and we have no 
uh, hard feelings about the fact that he left the plumbing trade to pursue a law enforcement career. In fact, I recall sitting down with Brandon and he didn't tell me what he was doing necessarily. He asked my opinion at first. And I talked to his best friend, John Perez, uh, our last guest, about it. And we both we both just kind of chuckled as we said, Brandon was born to be a cop. <laughs> he's yeah. the guy's he's like perfect cop material. And I don't just mean his demeanor, although his demeanor is that of a of a police officer, but his sense of fairness and justice are are bar none. I mean, they're out of this world. He's he's a you know, he's he's a rule guy. He's a fairness justice guy. His personality is the type where he is always going to tell you what is is happening or the truth or you know it, it just is what it is with him he doesn't do fluff he doesn't do um it tells it like it, is. it tells it straight shoots it straight 100 percent. he doesn't flatter at all it's just it, if this is how you made him feel he says it if it's the other way he says it if he says he's going to do something he does it that's just that's who he is like I don't know that I've ever had somebody hate on call more than Brandon Hernandez. <laughs> and, uh, you know, let me know every time he was on call. Oh, I hate this dude. I'm like, yeah, I get it, buddy. I hated being on call the second most. <laughs> I was, I was number two. So he, but that is who he is. And whenever he would tell a client, he was going to do something that it would get done. And, and this involved, uh, many times where Brandon would say, I'll get your water back on today. I would find out the next day that he was out until two o'clock in the morning because, you know, this job he started at 8 p.m. took him until 2 a.m. to finish where a lot of guys would have said, hey, going to keep it shut off. Uh, just let you know, I'll be back, you know, between eight and nine tomorrow and we'll get your water taken care of. Nope, he would stay up and I would find out in the morning meeting because he'd still be in the morning meeting the next day in uniform looking crisp. And say, uh, yeah, I said, you look tired, Brandon. Yep, I was out till 2. Didn't get home until 2.45. But that's just who he is. If he said he was going to do it, he was going to do it. And he's, uh, yeah, probably makes a fantastic police officer. Yeah, and that's where we're going to leave it. So we are excited to put Officer Brandon Hernandez in your passenger seat. Brandon Hernandez is joining us today, and we're going to be talking about from sewer lines to SWAT team with Officer Hernandez. We're excited to have him on the show. He is one of our former employees here at Benjamin Franklin Plumbing in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, but he now serves as a SWAT officer with the County of York in Pennsylvania. With that, welcome to the show, Brandon. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Great to finally have you on. Great yeah. to have you here in in quote-unquote studio. That is my office that you've been in. Countless times yep. back when you used to work here. Very last minute, but. <laughs> we'll take it. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Now, full disclosure, Brandon actually is not in the trades anymore. Uh, what are you doing right now, Brandon? So I'm actually a police officer now. So I've been doing that for about three years. Um, and then I just recently um, graduated from SWAT school. So that's where I'm at now. From what school? SWAT school. SWAT as in Brandon uh, Colin Farrell. He doesn't know how to spell that. Special weapons <laughs> and tactics. W A T. Yes. There you go. <laughs> yeah, I guess all the uh, cool, fun stuff that you get to do as a police officer. <laughs> go on. So I haven't experienced anything yet, but we'll get there. All right, uh, that's awesome, man. Yeah. 
Uh, well, we want to jump into your story. We want to kind of track the whole way through. We actually did a podcast with a good friend of yours a little bit ago, John Perez, and we got to hear his story and how plumbing and the trades really made a big impact in his life. Now, he continues yep. as a plumber, and, and you've transitioned into a new career, um, but I think you have a lot to share as far as how the trades set you up for future success, even though you're not currently in them right now. You, you, you got a lot out of it, right? Yeah, I did. Yeah, definitely. Awesome. Um, Full disclosure, <clears throat> he knows all about the, the John Perez episode because he texted me <laughs> and said, yo, wait, hold on. I'll just read it. <laughs> it was said, like maybe, what, an hour or two ago? <laughs> <laughs> it was, when are you going to get me on your podcast? Listening to John's right now. That was at 11.22 a.m. It is 2.01 p.m. And I said, uh, turn your lights on, buddy, and get over here. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I like it. Not often I'm in a room with the uh, the Jake and I'm I'm comfortable, but I'm comfortable right yeah. now. It's finally <laughs> it's come full circle. <laughs> At least for right now, he wants to get on the podcast before he starts breaking down doors. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, Brandon, let's uh, let's start at the beginning, man. Uh, what was your story, kind of growing up and coming into high school, and then looking at you know looking down the barrel of graduation and saying what next? Give us a kind of a preview there. Yeah, so after hearing John's, uh, you know, podcast and stuff, like him and I are very similar. I mean, that guy and I were tied into the hip up until I left and wanted to become a police officer. You know, we went to trade school together, you know, middle school, high school, trade school. Even, uh, you know, when we worked commercial construction for a little bit, we were together, and then we came to Ben Franklin together. So we kind of sit on the same boat where, you know, senior year came along and everyone was figuring out what they wanted to do and, you know, going to college and stuff like that and, I don't think anyone in my family went to college, and I had no idea where to start. So I didn't, ha- I didn't really have that good good guidance of trying to, uh, you know, decide what I wanted to do because, for one, I had no idea what I'd do myself. So in high school, I was always very very hands-on. You know, I always took the, you know, woodworking classes, metal tech classes, sure. you know, yeah. all, that, all that kind of stuff. So then probably came maybe a week before, you know, application deadlines and, I had no idea what I wanted to do. So I sat down with an instructor, or with a teacher, I guess, right there, uh, Mr. Care. He's probably still there. Um, him and I became pretty close, and he was my metal tech teacher, you know, with welding and stuff like that. And he at, brought up, At he, high school? Yes. Yeah. Um, he brought up uh, Thaddeus Stevens. And, you know, he re- he really wanted to go there for metal fab, you know, fab and, you know, welding and stuff like that. And because I was, a, I guess, a decent welder, you know, as much welding as you do in high school. And for those of you not from the area, Thaddeus Stevens College of Technology is a two-year associates program for anything from HVAC to, I think they have nursing degrees and plumbing and electrical and uh, architecture and mechanicals and all those types of things. Yep. So after talking to uh, Mr. Karen, you know, it was a pop in my head and I was just like, eh, I don't know if I want to be doing the same thing over and like welding over and over again. And, you know, so... Of course, me, you know, growing up the way I did, I started looking at the dollar signs. So I started researching, hey, who makes the most money and this and that. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I talked to him about plumbing and John was, you know, actually thinking about doing the exact same thing. So I applied and I applied a little late. So I got a little a little late start. I had to go through this uh, like like a, a year and a half or a half year before I could actually start the trade. And, you know, that's. You know, I was definitely looking at the dollar signs when I selected that, and I don't regret it at all. Um, definitely, was it definitely the 
you know, the seed and the foundation, the footstep to, you know, where I'm at now and relates to a lot what I do and stuff like that, especially with like talking to people and, and, you know, a bunch of different stuff, you know, we'll get there. But, uh, yeah, I loved it. You know, I loved working with my hands and I got to, I was real nervous cause I, I wasn't grasping things. I mean, I wasn't the smartest person in high school, you know, my grades weren't the best, you know, um, but you know, we got to Stevens and I kind of had that, like that same mentality. I was like, man, like I, I'm not that smart. I don't know if I'm, you know, I can barely do math. I can barely do this, but something just happened that I just, you know, just clicked. And I remember talking to, or talking to Miss Tyndall, our instructor there. And I was like, I'm not getting this. Like I'm having a hard time. Like just like John, like I did not know how to read a tape measure. And then she put it in a way where if you didn't understand it, but someone else did, she wouldn't try to teach it the same way. She would do a bunch of different. Um, Is that you know, Joe? Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's the thing that I loved about Stevens was that over there, they they weren't just there to teach. You know what I mean? You go Sometimes you go to other schools and instructors are just there to teach. They'll put on a PowerPoint and that's it. Mm-hmm. Um, there they really like got hands-on with you and really um, made sure that you understood it and, you know, probably like a week or two into the actual course like things just started clicking like i knew how to measure you know um just like running pipe and doing all doing all that plumbing stuff it just something just clicked and it just made sense to me and it just made me more of a better thinker and a critical thinker and like figuring stuff out and you know i have to do something with my hands and before i start something i have to have to look for you know i'll sit there and look for like five ten minutes before i actually get going and say, okay, this is what I want to do. This is how I want to do it, and and so forth. So prior to that, you had you had no plumbing experience at all. Yeah, right? nothing. So, so you're walking in there. I mean, you said you were doing some mechanical classes in high school, but you had never picked up a piece of PVC pipe with intention of you know putting a level on it and connecting it. No idea. Yep. Yeah, I had nothing. Yeah, and it's not it's not like you know even in my family like we didn't have construction workers or anything like that. So I was. Legit, like the very first one to ever go that type of route and learn that, you know. So, yeah, now we're here. <laughs> <laughs> we sure are. Yeah. So, uh, with with the with going to school there, and it kind of sounds like you had a similar experience with John, where like things, like he's also spoke highly of the instructors there and how they spent extra time with him, going over with things. And it seems like you you mentioned you had that click or that kind of that light bulb moment where things finally started making sense for you. Like, was it easy then after that? And, you, you know, it was just a matter of uh, kind of learning all the different aspects or, or did you have additional work or, you know, how did you get to a place where you felt confident coming out of school that it wasn't just like, oh, okay, now I know how to do reading a tape measure. Now I know how to actually install a water heater. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's just when you're, like I'll give an example, like you're in high school and you're learning about biology or stuff like that, that you have no idea if you're going to use chemistry and all you have no idea if you're personally going to use that the rest of your life so like with plumbing and you know okay this is how pipes going to go in or this is how a building's going to go in and so forth like you it kind of just made sense to me and understanding what was going in made it easier to actually install that kind of stuff and um just kind of see you know what I was doing rather than so I I was learning something and I was learning on why I was learning that. Right. Like when I was in school, I was learning, you know, geometry, but 
I was just learning it to learn it. Why am I learning geometry? You right. know what I mean? So, so you think it made a difference because you knew you were about to literally apply this in your real life job coming out of school. Yeah, and like, right, I think so. Yeah. This, this isn't practice anymore. You know, this is the real stuff. Yep. And funny as it is, geometry being about the only one that you would actually apply. <laughs> yeah, no, right. Look at that. In plumbing. <laughs> still don't know many plumbers who know how to spell, but geometry, use it all the time. I, I, I still, I can barely read and write right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So you had, uh, I think you also did the kind of extended program there because um, John had mentioned you got in late. You had just mentioned you got in late. So you ended yeah. up having three years there. So you did most of your gen eds in year one and then really started into the trade part in year two and two and three. Yeah, I actually, I don't know how, but I somehow got lucky and I only had to do half a year. So okay. I did half a year and then two years of, uh, nice of, uh, you know, the regular program. Um, cause I got in the, in, you know, the same class as John and he had to do that full year. And I don't know how I managed to get half a year of just doing gen eds and then well, mechanically speaking it, Totally makes sense. <laughs> how much quicker Brandon got the tools and <laughs> oh, how things shoot. go together. Uh, he's he's going to love this. John, I'm sure John this. will listen to this. I'm fr- we're fine. We're fine. We're going to uh, have to record podcast two for John here so he can get some shots All back. of his comebacks. Well, that's what, he's, that's what he said. He, I heard him talking smack about how he used to throw me around as a kid. And uh, <laughs> I told him I was going to talk some smack too. So I'm sure he's going to want to come back on here. <laughs> Well, Brandon, with uh, w- with that being kind of your career trajectory, what you decide to do, what was your personal life at that time? I mean, would you kind of fallen into the more of like the lost category where you weren't quite sure? Where, you know, Did you have a pretty good established grounding and you were just looking to capitalize on, like you said, financial success in, in their, your choice? Where were you at kind of on the personal side? So my like senior year, you know, my parents actually had gotten divorced and, you know, looking back at it, it's you know, whatever, you know, it happens. But like during and it was just like the end of the world for me like sure. it felt like things were crashing down on me and you know so my mom had a uh, moved back to uh puerto rico and my dad you know i was living with my dad and um you know just kind of those situations where we didn't really grow up i shouldn't say i just should just say the most fortunate because my dad you know my parents worked really hard to you know feed you know five kids five or four boys and you know i know how much i spent on groceries just for myself i can't imagine <laughs> you know what it was for you know six people in the house yeah um so you know we were we weren't the most fortunate but they made it work so you know coming out of school and stuff like that and not knowing what i wanted to do and going to stevens it was just kind of one of those things where i had no other choice yeah. you know i had no other choice but to do find something you know at that point you know pretty much my back was against the wall like i wasn't gonna go back you know back home with uh you know, dad, because, you know, dad and I were, it was just, I shouldn't say a bad relationship, but it just was, just wasn't. It Two just, people in the same house. Yeah, it, it was but, just almost like a roommate situation. It just, yeah. it just wasn't good at that point. Um, So uh, I actually moved out when I was 17. Yeah. So I took all my stuff and moved in into Stevens, kind of like John did. And um, I mean, during breaks, I, the girlfriend that I had at the time, I actually, uh, stayed with her parents like during like winter break and like summer break and stuff like that um and then once i finished school i found my own apartment and stuff and brian scooped me up from school and uh, got me here literally in my car let's go bro (laughs) bring your uh, boyfriend john here yeah right (laughs) so i didn't i didn't know until he said that that i mean i never went to college but or trade school or anything but i didn't know until john said that that during winter break 
during, you know, whatever break, you couldn't stay at the dorm. Yeah, you had to, like, let them know, like, super ahead of time. if that, And they'd have to, like, go through a process to see if they would let you let you stay. Um, but obviously during the summer you can't do that because they don't. They're just closed. Yeah, they, have, they don't have school. Or, you know, they don't have classes or anything during the summer. At least back then they did it. Um, so, yeah, we were kind of just stuck, you know, trying to figure out where we are going to stay and stuff. And, you know. I, did did you know John was in his car? I didn't. I literally called him like as soon as I, I heard that, and I was like, "You Bro, found that out on the episode." I was like, "I knew he was crawling in through the window." <laughs> <laughs> I knew that for sure because I crawled in through the window a couple times too with said girlfriend. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but no, I didn't. I did not know about the uh, about the whole car. You know, thing. I called him and I was like, "Dude, what the heck, man? Like, why didn't you, you know, tell me?" And you yeah. know, we could have helped each other out and stuff, but we made it work, and you know. The parallels of your stories are are quite amazing that, uh, you know, both of you are literally coming out of difficult situations at home and, you know, kind of not sure what to do, didn't have a lot of other options and basically found your way into a trade school and, you know, made it work. It's funny, man, because I remember meeting John for the first time and he had, I remember he was, you know, where the neighborhood that we lived in as a kid was like, and we I guess you could call it the suburbs, but it was like the bad neighborhood of the suburbs. You know what I mean? Yeah. So when John moved in and he moved in from the city, I remember seeing it and I'm like, man, this kid's trouble. <laughs> I'm like, this kid is trouble. I don't know why. He had, I remember he had a long ponytail. Always, you know. Really? And yeah. John had a ponytail. You don't have any pics of that, huh? Nah, I don't, I don't have that. <laughs> but I don't, know, up with. I don't know what it was. Like, it was just, we just clicked and we just became boys. And, you know, ever since then, you know, we struggled. We struggled together and, you know countless times where I went to his house and he came to my house, you know? Um, so yeah, we just, we're just super tight. And, you know, one of my other brothers pretty much. And, uh, yeah, we, we I don't know. We just motivated each other and pushed each other to, you know, to get where we are now. And I'm super proud of him, man. Cause I, I looked at him a couple of times and I was like, I don't know if this kid's, you know, I don't want him to go, you know, off the deep end. Just cause we did grow up around a lot of negative stuff. You know what I mean? Right. Luckily I had a lot of, people always pushing saying hey do this do that get into sports you know get in these clubs and this and that and um he had that too but they weren't doing it as much as I, as I i was receiving it so i would always be like yo let's go do this or let's go do that it's funny his mom i always made fun of him for the longest time because i told him his mom liked me more than him because <laughs> every t- every time we'd go somewhere um He'd be like, hey, um, Ma, you know, we're, we're going out or this and that. And she'd be like, oh, is Brandon going to be there? Are you, who are you going with? Are you going to be with Brandon and this and that? So I always made fun of him because I was like, yeah, your mom likes more than you. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good story, though, because the the power of positive influence and, and mentoring and, you know, the faithfulness of a brother um, makes such a difference at that stage of life, right? Oh, my God, yeah, absolutely. Like, there's a... Uh, if you don't have good guidance, no matter where you're at, you're not going to have a chance. Like if you don't have someone in your ears saying like showing you positivity and this and that, you're not, you're not going to, you're not going to have a chance. Like I'll give a good example. Um, when I graduated high school, I went uh, back to Puerto Rico. I stayed there for like a month or two with my mom just to visit and stuff. And there was a kid there. He was about maybe 14 or 15 um, at that time. And he, you could tell that and where we grew up in Puerto Rico was a pretty bad area. Um, but you could tell that at that point of his life, he was in the middle of like choosing a side. So it's either he's going to go left or he's going to go right. Left being bad, right being good. And I remember talking to him and, you know, he was telling, he was like, we were playing, I remember we were playing basketball and uh, 
you know, I was talking to him, like, man, this kid got a good shoulders. And I was like, listen, like, you got to do this, you know, make sure you're not getting into this, this and that. Well, out there, man, you show a kid a little bit of money and they'll do anything for you. You know what I mean? So uh, fast forward a couple years later and my mom calls me. He's like, hey, you remember Yampi? Like, you know, the kid that, you know, you talked to, blah, blah, blah. You took a picture with him, this and that. Ended up getting killed. You know what I mean? Out there. And it's just like, that's the, when I found that out, I was like, if you don't have guidance, you don't have a chance. Yeah. Especially if when you're around all that negative stuff, it's going to be hard for, you know, any, you know anyone to, to get out of it. So whether it's you see something on TV and they're like, oh man, I kind of want to do that. Or you have people around you saying, hey, you got to, you know, this is what you got to do or you got to find something positive to do to try to keep you away from that negative light. I mean, you don't have a chance, man. Yeah, so John, and I guess maybe this will allude to part three that we have not talked about whatsoever, but maybe we can get Billy in here <laughs> this evening. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> John had told me kind of off mic at another point that Billy was a good role model for the two. Oh, of absolutely, man. That's, I mean, that's my my older brother. Um, man, that kid has been through hell and back. He honestly has made me the, I mean, I know he looks up to me a lot just because where I'm at, but I look up to him way more than he actually knows. Like that kid has been through hell. He like when, you know, I was in college and all that stuff, he, he always like made sure that I was okay. You know, like he worried about me more than he did himself. And that there's stuff that he can talk to you about that, you know, but uh, he he went through hell and uh, he was definitely not in a good spot. But while, you know, trying to take care of me and make sure that I was getting where I was getting and he wasn't, you know, there himself. So when uh, when I saw him and where he was at the point last year, whenever he was, when I texted you and I could tell he he wanted something better. I was like, and we kind of started off jokingly. I was like, dude, go go work with John. Go go to Ben Franklin. And he's like, eh, whatever. So as soon as John started talking, I was texting you. I was like, because you know me, I'm always texting you like, hey, I got a good person for you. But I was like, listen, my brother, he's hungry, he'll work. And uh, I'm glad, man, he's going to do good things for you guys. Seems like yeah, he's, he we, seems he seems like he's loving it. You know, he was kind of like me. We're up, you know, up and down and stuff, but he has definitely way more motivation than I did when it came to the plumbing side of it. Yeah, and he's uh, we, we interviewed him as a result of that conversation. And yeah. I remember saying, I don't know who I said it to, but this guy is like – a dead center mix of Brandon and John yep. in some weird ways. Like, He's, I don't know, man. Like I would get into situations where, I mean, you remember I'd call, I'd get into something and like, I'd call you and be like, just do this. And I'm like, man, this is BS. Like, I don't want to do this. Like this and that. Billy, no man, something happened to Billy and Billy just, just cool. He's just real chill, real relaxed and real like, all right, whatever. You know, we'll get the next one or we'll this and that. Or he'll call me and be like, yo, you won't believe what I did today or this and that. Or he'll be like, I got into something today. I have no idea what I was doing, but I got it done. <laughs> he's like, I got it done. So, nah, he's definitely, he's, he's more positive and, you know, he's, he's just, he's going to do good things, you guys. Nate, go ahead and add in before that part for the service manager, Ed, earmuffs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Brandon. Okay, so it's it's awesome to hear, like, how you had those types of influences in your life. And I think a lot of it also comes, we talked about it in John's episode too, a lot of it comes down to you, right? you still had to choose that. You still had to make the choices that I want to make something of my life. I want to choose right, not left. I want to choose, you know, straight and not right. off the, off the beaten path into some bad stuff. So kudos to you for that. And thank and you. Where do you think that determination came from? Honestly, I, 
first thought that came to my mind, I, I think I was just scared of my mom. Because <laughs> I know if I did something, you know, something bad, my mom was going to kick my butt. Yeah. So, uh, no, I, I, I guess you could say her. I mean, like, I, see, I saw her, like I said, I don't know how they bought groceries for all of us and how, de- how determined, you know, they were and she was. And she was just a strong, just an individual woman. So, yeah, I mean, she's definitely made me who I was as well. I mean, there's a... <laughs> I have not done any of this by myself. You know, there has been a handful of people that have gotten me to where I am today. Um, you know, there was a, there's another guy. Um, when we moved here from Puerto Rico, there was a program in Lexus City. I don't, don't know if they do it. We used to call it Tuesday Church. But it was a program where, uh, you know, this group of Mennonite people would come up and pick up inner city kids. And uh, I, rem- I remember me, I rem- now looking back at it, and I talked to my mom about it, and I was like, why did I was like six or seven years old? Why did you let me go with these random people? You know that we were going to church and stuff. But Billy and I became really close with this guy. His name's Jason, and uh, he just—he uh, was probably maybe sixteen, seventeen, maybe eighteen at the time. But he would pick us up. We go to Tuesday church, and uh, you know, pretty much took us out of that the neg- that negative light for a little bit. And we got real tight, and, you know, he'd pick us up. We'd go to his house, like, with his parents and stuff like that. And um, we just became really, really close, and I'm very thankful for um, for him. He's another person I'm super thankful for. It's funny, I just reconnected with him uh, sometime last year. Uh, he saw that I had just graduated the police academy, um, and then he messaged me, and he was like, hey, I'm going to be in the States. Like, I'd love to – because he actually li- lives in Haiti now. He does a lot of mission work out there. He, okay. he uh, like, builds uh, – like roofs, like they'll yeah. he'll go out there and help people build houses and put roofs on it. So I met up with him, and you know he's just a genuine person, and you know he's a real good guy. And it just blew my mind because we're sitting there at dinner, and uh, the check comes, and you know I'm like, you know I got it. Listen, he's like, no, 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 like I want to pay for it and this and I was like, listen, dude, like you, like took care of me as a kid, like let me do this for you. And he's like, nah, man, like you're a police officer now, and how things are going. You know, I look up to you like crazy and, you know, I, I just want to, I want to pay for this to, I still didn't let him pay. I was like, I mean, you're going to have to fight me before I let you pay. <laughs> but uh, when he said that, I was like, man, like I looked up to this guy for so long and like now he's saying it to me and it's just like, just another person that, that you know, that build me up. So. That's awesome, man. Yeah. Actually, uh, Tuesday Church is still a thing. My brother-in-law is oh, the yeah? director of it. Awesome. <laughs> so, That's awesome, man. Yeah, that continues. Hey, if you let him know, man, it, I... Lot, probably like last year, I was over at County Park with my dogs, and uh, I see um, these like probably like seven or eight kids, and there was a Mennonite girl with them, and I'm assuming it was going to be the same group. So the kids are all, you know, they're playing with the dogs and this and that, and I could tell she was stressed out like crazy. <laughs> so I go up to her, and I'm like, oh, you know, you know, is this, you know, part of, you know, the Tuesday church? Or, you know, I, would, I had the same thing when I was younger, and she's like, yeah, yeah. And I, me- I mentioned uh, Jason and Amanda's name. That's Jason's wife. And they were like, yeah, you, you know, they do. I don't know them personally, but I know them by name. And they do a lot of good work in Haiti and stuff like that. And I looked at her and I was like, I know you're stressing out a lot right now, but you're affecting these kids in a positive way more than you actually know. Mm. Just remember that because, you know, looking back at it, it's, you know, it's changed me a lot and made me who I am today. That's awesome, man. Hopefully there's more stories like that of of those types of ministries and those types of success stories. I mean, you know, we talked about with, with uh, 
John, and I'm sure the same could be said of you, like, you know, what if, mm-hmm. the, the what ifs, uh, what could you have become had you not had those types of things in your life and yeah. made a couple different choices? It's crazy. One one choice changes your whole entire life. It's crazy. I'm sure you see that every day. Oh, my God, yeah. And my dad, I talked just talked to him with him, like, maybe a couple of weeks ago, actually, and I was like, why did we actually move here to Puerto Rico? Or from Puerto Rico. Why? Yeah, I just wanted a better life. And uh, there's a little backstory within it. Within it where my gra- my grandpa was here. He passed away. And at the funeral, my dad found out that he had another half-brother. So, uh, you know, that kind of, like, started planning everything for us to move here. And, uh, yeah, but, like, that one choice. Like, what if, what if my parents didn't decide to move to the United States? Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. W- well, how would my life be done? Right. So, Yeah, John and I talked about how... We, we were both where we grew up and how we grew up one small, just tiny decision away mm-hmm. from the story being completely different and, yep. and dozens of people across the country not getting to hear us on this podcast. Right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, Brandon, let's step forward in your story there. So you're wrapping up college and, you know, I, I think you mentioned that things had clicked. So you know, you're kind of got a, a good head on your shoulders and you're figuring you're ready to head out into the world. What was it like moving from instruction and class to all this that we call actual plumbing in the real world (laughs) um for me i don't think it was bad until i actually got on my own like when i got in my own truck that's when things started like so you started off in more of like the apprentice type yeah so i rode along i mean it was funny i always i i I would ask brian i was like am i gonna be ready like yeah you're gonna be ready so one day and i I, don't, I shouldn't say I regret doing it, but I kind of kicked myself in the butt for it. Uh, I guess we were slammed, and uh, there was a bunch of inspections, and we're sitting in here, and I, you know, we're saying how how, how uh, plumbing inspections. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, we're, I remember standing at this window right here, and Brian was talking about how uh, how busy we were with like inspection inspections, and we couldn't run inspections. And jokingly, I was like. Yeah, hey, I'll run a couple inspections by myself. <laughs> Don't say that to Brian. <laughs> he was like, what? He said, what? And I was, he was like, yeah, yeah. Like, and I was kind of joking. That day I was in the truck and I never, I, I never, I, I never, never got went, out. Yep, I never got out. <laughs> he was actually in my car at the time with the tool bucket in the back of it. Cause we yeah. Were, no, yeah, he, he hit it. Uh, one thing about Brandon that was clear and obvious was he was never going to say, I'm ready. But there was nothing you could you could give him that was going to break him. Damn. There was nothing where he was going to be like, I'm throwing my hands up. I'm, I can't figure this out. I'm going home. You, you figure it out. And we know Nate and I from vast experience that there are plenty of people out there who will hit a problem. That's just too much for them. Some people, it's not much of a problem. Some people it's a big problem, but it was pretty obvious that Brandon was going to figure anything out. And mechanically speaking, that stuff just came naturally to you. You were, you were very yeah. good mechanically. We we could be, we could be sitting with a water treatment trainer in in uh, the training room, and you'd be getting very little of what was coming at you. But put put it in front of you and say, "Put this together, take it apart, man." That just happened fast. Yeah, and it's uh, crazy. It's crazy you say that though, because uh, that I still feel that way. You know what I mean? Like even with my job now, sometimes I'll get in a situation. I'm like, "What in the? How am I going to do this? Or what's going what's going to happen next?" But I just you just pull the somehow, wrist behind the back somehow stops moving right somehow uh, I just I don't know I just figure it out you know what I mean even growing up where when I was fresh 
you know, I had to pay bills and stuff like that. I had no idea how I was going to do it, but somehow I just figured it out. You know, like I said, I had no other option. So, it was, you know, just I just, I don't know. I just never looked behind me. I just saw, you know, something forward. And sometimes it kicked myself in the butt just because when I'm the type of person, I want something, I want it now. And I'm not going to stop until I get it, which is good and bad at the same time because it drives you insane sometimes. So... So how many years did you work in plumbing then coming out of school? I think coming out of like after, after yeah, so you graduated college and then you, you came to work with us here in Lancaster. I think I was here with you guys maybe a year and a half, a okay. year. And then I worked, uh, on, so I'm going to say maybe two years, two okay. and a half years, maybe yeah. three. I'm not sure. So probably that- three within like, Working through the summers and Thaddeus and stuff like that, probably close to three years. So in that in that two to three year, I mean, what were some of the takeaways that you gained? Because, um, and we're going to step into your next career here next, but um, you know, what were some things that that formed you? You know, that that chiseled away the rough pieces. What yeah. was it about two years in plumbing that you re- remember and recognize as making a difference? Um, just thinking. And just being able to look at a problem and figuring it out, and um, like give an example of what that looks like. Well, even even okay, yeah, and definitely do that. But even knowing there's something about there's something missing in this generation, and maybe even the previous generation, where they almost have this thing where if they don't know how to do it, they can't know how to do it. And yeah, learning that just via text message with your supervisor. You're, you're figuring out a problem and learning how to put something together yeah. you've never done before. There's a real uh, experiential, critical thinking training in that. I think maybe is taking the first step and doing something like that because I know how I can relate to it with plumbing is the first time you do something. Like for you, for I remember talking to you about replacing a toilet. Now, how long did it take me to replace my first toilet? It took me a while. But it's because I never did it before. I think you're still not finished. Yeah, right. <laughs> still haven't caulked it. <laughs> <laughs> but then I got to the point where, you know, I was probably one of the only guys that kept three, you know, three different types of toilets in my truck. And that's all Loved. I sold. Loved. It was just toilet, toilet. Yeah. I, it took me longer to unpack a toilet than to pull one and reset one. Wow. So <laughs> it, I think I think it's just making that first step into doing anything. You know, sometimes I feel like people are are afraid to do something just because they haven't done it before. But then once you keep doing it over and over again, you know, you're obviously gonna with anything. Practice makes you know, practice makes perfect, I guess. So I guess I I guess that could be the issue. Maybe is just starting and just taking that first step and and doing anything that makes it hard for, you know, my generation or previous generations or anyone in general is just taking that first step and not being afraid to make a mistake. I mean, how much. Uh, how long was it before I flooded the house, Brian? It was first year. <laughs> first month, I think it was. Was it really? Yeah. Was it the toilet leaking down? No, nah, it was a... Uh, uh, oh, that was Matthew. CPVC. Matthew. It was a CPVC <laughs> pipe. Uh, I was uh, replacing a, a bathroom um, faucet. And when I went to pull it off, the ears got... Or the... Uh, um, Oh, look at that. It's been a while since I worked in plumbing. I don't remember <laughs> yeah, that. Second floor townhouse. The connection, the connection to the valve. It was the townhouse in Marietta. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It got hooked around the ears after I had disconnected it. So when I pulled it, it popped the pop, the broke the pipe right off of the uh, 
the uh, the joint. And I never told Brian this, but uh, I'm sitting there and I heard a snap, but then I heard like a <laughs> like the water running. Well, I thought it was just the AC that kicked on. <laughs> so that water was actually running for like a minute straight before I actually realized that it was water running. So I run downstairs and I see water pouring, pouring from the kitchen sink or oh, the kitchen ceiling. Word. And I'm like, oh, man, this is bad. And it was such an easy fix, but I was like, Brian, you got to get someone out here. I don't know what to do. Like, I just flooded this house and this and that. And yeah, that never happened again. And I came <laughs> out. So yeah, that's when we sent him to the academy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what did you learn from that? I mean, certainly you had a, a frustrated client at that point, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I guess just, you know, just to gather, because to gather your bearing even though i didn't do it just whenever something happens to you and it's not how you expect to just get like keep your bearings and try not to lose you know your thought you know i was a lot younger back then and you know if that would have happened to me now it's just whatever you know go downstairs i know exactly what to do turn off the valve whatever but uh because i remember ed came out and you know we pulled the the uh the cabinet from the you know where the sink was and we cut into the floor and it was. It literally just had snapped off. It was such an easy fix. Like if it wasn't for us to have to take that stuff out, it would probably have taken me a minute to do. Right. But I was so flustered that I had no idea. Like I was like, I just flooded this person's house. I don't. I don't know, you know, how to fix this. So, yeah. And what what do you say to people who, like looking back on that experience? What do you say to people that they get in that uh, you know fear lock mode like? They, they're they're so cautious about something like that occurring mm-hmm. that they're not willing to actually step into a position of risk where it could happen. So they just back away from it completely. I think just knowing that you're going to make mistakes. If you're too scared, and it's funny because I was too scared to do things because I knew I was going to make, make a mistake. And even as a cop, like my first year as a cop, my first three months were terrifying just because I knew I was going to make mistakes and... I didn't like I didn't want to stop cars. I didn't want to do anything because I was afraid of making mistakes. So I feel like once you get past that and accept the fact that you're going to make a mistake because that's what makes you better, then I think that's when you're going to get the ball rolling and get better. You know what I mean? If you're not making mistakes and you're doing something wrong, you know what I mean? You're you know, not, I learned, you're not living. I learned I learned that from um Stendhal from Thaddeus Stevens. You said if 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 you're not making a mistake then you're doing something wrong. Yeah. Just because you're not going to learn from it. So how, and how were you, I mean, how much less gun shy were you after? Because the support system, there being a support system means everything in that moment. And knowing that I answered, Ed came out. Oh yeah. We got absolutely everything taken care of for the knowing I had no, and that's when I kind of started opening up a little bit. Like I wasn't shy to ask questions. I wasn't shy to ask for help. I wasn't, you know, but knowing that after that, and it come, I feel like it comes from a supervisor point too. Like if you're feeling pressure from your supervisors, you're going to be more scared to do things. But, you know, Brian was super cool about it. Ed was super cool about it. I remember um, actually John and Ed actually were the ones that came out because John was still riding with Ed at that point. And uh, I was terrified. I'm like, dang, I'm going to lose my job. They're going to fire me for this and that. They're like, nah, man, like you're good. Like you were like, man, you know, good thing that it happened to you now rather than a year down the road when you're more you're more of a seasoned plumber. Cause 
it happened now and you're never going to do it again. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, that was, so, uh, who, who was that? The founder of, uh, we're going to have to look this up and edit it in later, which Nate never does. Uh, <laughs> it's going to sound exactly like this. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> it was, uh, was it the founder of IBM, John Watson, Tom Watson. They're, they're, well, it's they definitely were, Watson because yeah. that's their whole thing. They were, he was, they had somebody make, make a mistake, some kind of computer mistake that cost them a million dollars. His supervisor came up and saw Mr. Watson and said, uh, understand you want me to let him go. Is there any legal action you would like me to take against him being that we lost a million dollars as a result of his mistake? Right. And he, and, uh, Mr. Watson said, fire him. I just spent a million dollars to train him. Why would I give him to somebody else now? That's right. Yep. And every time somebody makes a mistake like that, which, you know, that kind of mistake doesn't happen too often. Yeah. It's typically something much smaller, but it does happen. And, and we know that here we pride ourselves in getting guys into trucks a little bit faster. I mean, mm-hmm. it'll, it'll take you a lot longer to work on gas lines than water lines, <laughs> but um, we, we do... I wouldn't say rush the process, but we have a good training system and we get guys into their own trucks faster than most places, certainly where I grew up. Um, and we, but we know that that's part of the cost of doing business is there could be a mistake here and there. But ever since I heard that quote or read that quote, uh, I just try to keep that in mind. Like there's no way that guy did that on purpose. Yeah. But there's zero chance that you said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to snap this water line off <laughs> the wall and then I'm just going to play in the water for a little bit. Cause this would be fun. Yeah. Um, so we try to make it as nurturing as possible to, to make sure that, you don't. I already know what you feel like on my way there. Cause I've made mistakes in plumbing before. Yeah. Um, so we try to make it as a nurturing environment as possible. Get the, get the client taken care of a number one, and then make sure you, that you learn from that mistake and on we go. I mean, if there is no pain, there is no gain, you know, that as a, uh, as lifting and, Brandon, it looks like you've uh, seen a set of weights sometime here. <laughs> yeah, since I the hope. last we met. <laughs> I hope. <laughs> Another thing that I'm guessing was uh, a big change coming out of college was interacting with homeowners. What did you learn from all the uncomfortable situations that can come up, you know, with somebody in their home and them having a different type of personality than you do and how you kind of adapt to all of that? Um, I don't think I had an issue with like just talking to people because I've always been very friendly and just it's easy for me to talk to people but i think what i struggled with was uh brian always i remember him saying it was a sticker shock yeah was you know just those you know i would look at something and i'd be like i don't know if i would spend this much money on it and stuff like that but i quickly realized that there are people out there that will spend that money you know and you know buy stuff that they do need you know so uh it's not just that. It's also an understanding of the value of yourself. Oh yeah, right. So like yeah, that's what I that's what I struggled with because I was twenty years old. You know, I was a twenty year old kid. You know, out you know doing this job, but then you know I didn't realize at that point. I was like, you know, you worked hard. You went to school for this. You you know you're working for a good company. You know you are worth 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 this. So. Uh, you know, once I didn't really realize that until like closer to the end. Um, but yeah, once I realized that, you know, where, you know, you guys aren't just hiring any Joe Schmo off the street and, you know, you're getting a good person in your house and it, that's what they're paying for. They're paying for not just the work, but they're also paying for 
you know, the, those, you know, you have a good person. You, they don't have to worry about, you know, if you walk into a house and leave something out, on, you know, on the table about it being taken just because, you know, you're not hiring those type of people. You know what's funny about that, Brandon, is like that that mentality of I'm not worth it or I'm only worth so much. It's it's not relative to age. Like yeah. you can find fifty five year old people in the trades who still think that they're only worth twenty, twenty five dollars an hour or whatever it is, and they don't they don't value themselves above that. But like that's so not the case. I mean, the older you get, the more experience you have, the more valuable you are. Like right. Then you're not snapping off things like that. Or yeah. then you're not confused about an issue that only three people have ever seen before you. And like people just, they, they never realize that, you know, five, 10, 15 years of knowledge, we're not paying for you to turn the wrench. Yeah. We're paying for you to know which wrench to turn and right. how to turn it. Right. 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 So like, yeah, it, it's amazing that, that that still exists. And if nothing else, this podcast can continually remind people in the trades that you are valuable. What you do is valuable and oh you God, are yeah. underpricing yourself right now. Oh my God. And, yeah. and not to shop out of your own wallet as, as Gene Slade put it, which were what you were just saying, you were fresh out of college and yeah. you know, your first full year in a truck just now making a decent income for the first time. And you're going to see people who have, who have been in their career for 35 years yep. and they're like, they got the money. You show them how they can enjoy their water system more. Mm-hmm. It's like, do it. Don't even yep. tell me how much it is. How many times exactly. did you hear that? I don't, don't, I don't care how much. Yeah, it's, 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 there's been so many times where, you know, you, I remember you telling me, just do this, just do this, just telling you, just do it. And I'd be surprised, you know, I was expecting this, but then they were like, let's go with all of it. You know, let's go with all of it. And I'm like, man, maybe, maybe Brian does know what he's talking about. <laughs> <laughs> maybe. He's still not sure. He's not quite sure. <laughs> So Brandon, we're gonna we're gonna take another step forward here, and um, we got to ask the question: What made you get out of plumbing? I don't know, man. Sometimes I'm just like I'm gonna go back and become a plumber. <laughs> nah, I'm just kidding. Nah, I love my job, but uh, well, you kind of and correct me if I'm wrong. You knew even before you got into your own truck what that you wanted to become a police officer. Nah, I don't think I knew by that point yet. I so out of high school. You know, they say, what do you want to be? And I was like, eh, I'm not the brightest, whatever. And, uh, I was, you know, I think I'll be, you know, go out and you know, become a cop. I had no idea where I, where to start. You know, I didn't even know that you need to be 21. So uh, that's why I went the Thaddeus way. And, uh, you know, once I did that and I kind of, you know, pushed being a police officer off to the side and wasn't really interested in it anymore. And then I started working in plumbing and then at the time, my girlfriend's dad just had uh, become a police officer. So once I started working for a little bit, um, and each year during the job fair at Thaddeus Stevens, the state police was there trying to recruit people. So I would always talk to them. And I was like, you know what? If plumbing doesn't work out, I'm going to become a cop. You know, I'm going to become a police officer. And uh, I don't know what it was, man. It was just... You know, I loved working here and I, you know, I loved the money and I loved the environment and stuff, but it just, I just didn't feel right. You know, not just because I didn't like it or just because, you know, I definitely didn't love being on call. That's for sure. Nope. But, uh, <laughs> had no problem talking about that. Yep. <laughs> but, uh, I don't know. You had a, you had an inner calling in sound. Yeah. Like I don't know. It was just, it, everything was going so right for me at that point. Like, 
I was making good money. I bought a house. You know, I bought a house at 21 years old. I, that was thanks to, you know, this job here. But uh, just something was I, just something inside of me was just like, uh, like I'm a huge person that lives off feeling and just the feeling wasn't there that that's what I, I couldn't see myself doing it for the rest of my life. You know, I can see myself maybe not on the street, but working in law enforcement the rest of my life, if that makes sense. So I think that's where the huge difference was. And then when my um, girlfriend at the time, when her dad became a police officer and I saw how much he loved it and, you know, all the stories he was telling and stuff, you know, I'm, I made the choice of, and I was like, you know what, I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pursue this. And I, I still remember, and I'm so thankful, you know, so thankful for this, Brian, but I still remember when I sat down and at that time I wanted to go into the state police. And uh, I sat Brian down. And I was like, listen, man, this is where, like, I'm going to be honest with you. Like, this is where my head's at. But and he was nothing but, like, motivating with that. You know what I mean? Like, even though he knew I wanted to leave, he was still motivating me to, to you know, do well in this job and, like, do good and stuff like that. And I think my last three months here were probably because I hit a really dry stage. And I think maybe, like, my last, like, month or two here was probably, like, the best that I had. Yeah, we. I remember us discussing because when the I put academy was going to mean because uh, when I put my two weeks in, his head almost blew up because how well I was doing at that time. <laughs> oh yeah, and uh, so yeah, there's actually a, you know I was so determined. You know, like I said earlier, I'm the type of person where when I decide something that I want to do and I know that's what I want to do, I want it now. Right, and I just you know I had struck out with the state police. And I was just struggling, like, just mentally. And I was just like, man, I really want this. But I wasn't happy, you know. So I ended up, you know, working, you know, construction for a little bit. Because just, just the schedule was a little bit a little bit better. And then, you know, I knew that I wasn't, that the state police wasn't one of those things where I was going to get in right away. So I decided, I was like, you know what, I'm just going to go to the local academy. And I went up to Hack and I put myself through. That's Harrisburg Area Community College. Yeah. And, uh. Yeah, I wasn't working for it. That, that was probably the hardest time of my life because, you know, I had a house. I had, you know, a car that I needed to pay for. But you, you had know. been saving for that. Yeah, I yeah. So I, that, that was part of your discussion with y- me was that you needed to yeah. st- st- stock up as much money as possible to go through the academy, which I think had a lot to do with probably more than anything your your success for yeah. those months because you were just like, yeah, I, I, I got to go on a spending freeze and yep. make as much as I can and and get ready for this academy where I'm going to be. Yep, because I literally just, I wasn't even my in my house maybe a month or two before I left here. So I stacked up all that money. I picked up a coaching job at a high school coaching track, saved all that up, and then saved all anything and everything that I could. And then, you know, I put myself, you know, through the academy, and I paid for that. And What were, what were the hours for the academy? Oh, God. Monday through Friday. No, Monday through Saturday. Uh, it was like 8 a.m. until maybe like 6, depending on the day. Yeah. Wow. That's, yeah, intense. They, That's intense. So our, our academy was like the first academy to uh, have the hours that it was like a like a new program. So they actually had added courses and added hours. So our academy was a lot longer than um, what the previous academy, academies were. Yeah, I remember being like, oh, what is it? Come on, two hours a day, bro? You can work. Nah. Come on, you can come back around the truck <laughs> through the academy. <laughs> Jeez, eight nah. to six, six days a week. Well, I'll say this, though. Brian is, 
a man of his word every single time because I remember like the last month of the academy, I was like, dude, I don't know if I'm going to get hired somewhere. Like, I, I still don't have a job yet. And, he's, and I was like, can I come work with you for, you know, a couple, can you put me in a truck for a couple months until I get a job? He's like, dude, I got a truck waiting for you right now. You come back whenever <laughs> you're ready. I start going through the he's list still, of the hey, lowest ticket averages. <laughs> <laughs> he still says that. Yeah, man. But absolutely. We'll make it work. Yeah. You got to be in uh, your, your police officer uniform, though. I yeah, like right. It's going to help the cause. <laughs> So you went to you went to the academy for local police. Yep. Uh, how long is that program? It's about six months, I believe, like six or seven months. Yeah, okay. We started in May or June, and we finished in December. Yeah. So wow. about, about six months. Yeah. And then, how does that work? Like, you come right out of the academy, and you have to you have to apply for jobs then, or do you get placed, or what happens? So you can either get hired before the academy. And, you know, whatever department puts you through, you know, they'll pay you and pay for the academy, all that stuff. Um, most departments are like that, I, I should say. Or you can put yourself through like I did. And, and um, usually you get picked up while you're in it. And thankfully, I got picked up on Thanksgiving, actually. Oh, nice. And uh, yeah, that's when I got the call saying, hey, yeah, we're, you know, we're going to take you. And uh, so... Um, yeah, so I got hired there, and then once you get hired, you have to go through a field training program where you ride along with the supervisor for a couple months, and then after that, you're you know you're hitting the road and you're you're by yourself. Wow, no kidding. So March of that following year, you were exactly it was car. it was in exactly in March. I think yeah. it was March fourteenth or something like that. Okay, yeah. Terrifying, terrifying day of my life. <laughs> how old? How old, you, old were you at that time? Twenty-two. Wow. I think twenty-two or twenty-three. Yeah, yeah. man. Still so, wet behind the ears coming yeah, out of police. Yeah. Academy. Oh man. <laughs> it's just, it's just amazing. I even think about it right now. It's just like sometimes I'll be in situations where I'm dealing with people that are two times, three times older than me, and I'm trying to solve their problems. And right, you have this little. Little guy from, you know, Puerto Rican kid that was born in the island and came to the States and he's 25 years old and he's trying to solve everyone's problems. It's just like, <laughs> oh, man. Uh, I don't know how it happens sometimes, but we get it done. That's awesome. So what was your career like then, kind of coming out of the academy, getting in that, um, would you consider that a beat cop uh, type, like on the beat? Yeah, so like I said earlier, my first like three months were just I don't even I can't even explain I was just afraid of making mistakes yeah and thankfully the supervisor that I had at the time he was super supportive and you know I didn't really feel much pressure from him which made me more comfortable and accepting those mistakes that were going to be made and by mistakes I mean like you know writing something wrong on a citation or missing something on a report and stuff like that so once I got, you know, over the fear of, you know, making those mistakes is when I started, you know, getting into things and, you know, pulling more cars over and just being able to talk to people without showing them that you're new and fresh. Right. There's nothing worse than being <laughs> a fresh cop on the street and someone 
just seeing you and you're like, oh, look at this guy. He's a rookie. And they, and because then they try, you know, walking all over you. Right? That's not a whole lot different than being a new tech. Exactly. With you with see the engineer it's just, type client. Right? And it's just body language. And I love that stuff, man. Like just looking at people's eyes. And it's crazy. I went to a course where uh, it was an interview and interrogation course where he was talking about, you know, the way the body reacts and how people are and how when you feel comfortable or uncomfortable, you're crossing your legs and doing that. And I'm like, this is the exact same stuff that Brian was talking to me <laughs> when I was, when he was like, then I'm like, wow, there's, there's not much of a difference. Like everyone really is like, there's just involuntary cues that the body gives whenever you're in awkward situations or whether you're lying or you're, you know, you're telling the truth, nervous, scared or whatever. Like it just, the, your body just does things that you don't even know. We got to start recruiting out of the police academy, man. <laughs> yeah, these guys know their stuff. <laughs> now, dude, like, when we were learning that stuff, it was just like, man, I already, I've already learned this. Like, I, I remember you always sending me stuff, videos and stuff about that kind of stuff. And uh, yeah, it hasn't changed. Like, I love, like, I love, you know, you just, you can just tell a lot by the way someone is and the way they, their body reacts to things. And it's, it's very interesting and unique. That's for sure. So how long were you then in that role before you started pursuing uh, kind of next level stuff? Um, well, I kind of always knew that I wanted to do something else. So, you know, I love the street right now and I love, you know, being out in the public and stuff, but I don't see myself being on the road for 25 years. You know, I yeah. definitely see myself moving up and doing stuff. So I, out of the academy, I always told myself, hey, like, I, you know, I want to get a dog. Like, I want to be, you know, canine unit. I want to do this, this, and that. Well, my department does not, um, you know, we don't have any, we don't have dogs. So I kind of wanted to do something else. And one of my close buddies that I work with, um, he's he's on the SWAT team. So he was like, dude, like, you, you got to try out. You got to do this. Like, you got to whatever. And uh, I was like, yeah, yeah, whatever. And at that point, like, I had let myself go. And I was like, there's no <laughs> way I'm going to be able to do this. There's no way. So normally you have to have. Nate just texted me something about coffee and donuts. Like, I don't think <laughs> this kind of humor first <laughs> off. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I kept pushing my chief. I was like, hey, like, my chief and lieutenants, I was like, hey, you know, once I'm eligible, can I try for the team? Once I'm eligible, can I try for the team? Or can I try for the team? Eligibility is based on tenure. Yeah, you have to, I believe it's two, three years that you have to have one. Okay. Um, so I think for the team, it's two years, but for my department, it's three. Um, that's, I think that was just something that we had to set. But after nagging the lieutenants and the chiefs, they were finally like, all right, you can, you can try it on a little early because by the time you graduated, you're going to be close to three years. So, uh, yeah, that was last year. I started training last year in October, so probably yeah, yeah, last year in October, and then I tried out for, tried out for the team in March or May or something like that. Wow! And then school was in July, a week in July, and then four weeks in October, September, October. So, what was it about SWAT that kind of rung your bell? I don't know to be honest, especially being in school. You know, you're getting beat up the whole entire time, and you're tired, and I'm like, why am I doing this? You know. <laughs> But I don't know. It's just like maybe like the same thing. I've always been attracted to doing things that people don't want to do. Like maybe, you know, plumbing too. You know, the dollar signs was definitely the most thing but that attracted me to it. But it was one of those things where I knew not too many people were going to become plumbers. Like 
not too many people wanted to be a plumber, so I know it would be easy for me to get in. And uh, it's something that not everyone wanted to do. So I guess it's kind of the same thing um, with this. Is like not everyone wants to do this, or not everyone can do this, and it's just that's just attracted attracted me to that. And we had three guys try out when I tried out, and those were the three guys that I went to the two other guys that I went to school with, and all three of us made it. So. I see you guys held each other accountable, pushed each oh, other yeah. through. Oh, yeah, absolutely, man. Those guys, man, um, great group of guys, man. You know, Tyler and Josh, you know, they're my boys. There's another, um, you know, brothers that I added to my family pretty much. But, uh, yeah, we trained together, and then we went through hell together at school. We started with 55 guys, and we graduated nine. Whoa. Wow. Yeah. So give us a little a little insight into what uh, what that whole training regiment looks like. I can't go into too, too many specifics because they like <laughs> they like keeping it on the wraps just okay, you know okay. to, to yeah, shock yeah, people. If you don't, if you don't, yeah, <laughs> don't get yourself in trouble. No, 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 no. But uh, I won't mention what school it was. But uh, it was just mental. Like it was more of a mental thing. Like no sleep. Like you barely slept, and you know you you, you break everything down. It's all doable. But putting all that stuff together, no sleep, being tired, having you know, I was like I said earlier, I was drinking. Four gallons of water a day, My eating word. like all the time. Like I was putting down maybe like between four and five thousand calories a day. Yeah. That still wasn't enough sometimes. Wow. And just drinking, hello. And just drinking just water, water, water all the time. That's awesome. Um, yeah. That, that sounds crazy. Uh like and that was because of just the, the physical exertion that you were being yeah. put through. Like, they would literally scare you and say, if you are not eating and drinking, you will die. Wow. Like, that, it was no joke. Like, legit, if you, they would make us uh, pee in cups every morning just to make sure we were hydrated. Yeah. And, just uh, to check the color? Or? Yeah. Yeah. And it's and like. you were like, this is just like a chlorine test. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Everything correlates to plumbing. <laughs> um, but, yeah, like, that's how serious. Like, they, like, the day of, like, the first day, like, they check you know, your blood pressure, everything, you know. Um, yeah, it's no joke. Like it's, it's the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. That's for sure. Yeah. Uh, John was saying about, um, what they call hell week is kind of the conclusion of your training, right? I felt like those four weeks were the complete hell. Oh, but <laughs> yeah. Like a month. Yeah. And word on the street is, uh, you had some significant weight loss during that time. Yeah. My weight floated pretty crazy. I actually, my first week I actually gained weight and then my second week I gained the or I lost a bunch of weight and then I stayed there for the most part. And then once I finally lost all that water weight was, is I probably lost like 12 pounds, like oh like three days, like three days after school when I wasn't drinking four gallons of water a day, um, probably lost about like 12 pounds. Wow. Yeah. So now you are a, uh, a certified official yep. SWAT officer. Yep. And what exactly does that mean? Yeah, I'm just pretty much on call all the time. Um, you know, whether, you know, if we have scheduled, something scheduled then we'll go and meet up and take care of that but it's just essentially i still do my regular roles on patrol and um but i'm just uh on call so you know we get a barricade or um you know a hostage situation or something like that or you know we have a, a you know a murder suspect or something that we think it's in this house then we'll get called out for the team for that and um yeah it's just an on call we just you know our team's part-time 
So there's a, I think there's a few guys that are full time, but generally everyone else is part time. So it's just if you're working, then you go. If you're not working, then you go from wherever you're at. But uh, this isn't this isn't like an on call like, <clears throat> say the uh, lady with the ice maker line that that got clipped when she moved her refrigerator at eleven o'clock at night and it's spewing water all over the kitchen and you get up punching the the uh, headboard of your bed as yeah. you put your boots on. <laughs> you guys, you get up for this excited, right? There's an adrenaline team thing. So. Before I made it through school, I was just pretty much like a rabbit. Like, you know, if we had a call out, then I'd, you know, drive the van or sit on a perimeter and stuff like that. I wouldn't be able to go in the house. So we had a call. It was maybe like 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning. My buddy calls me, and he's like, hey, are you are you going? I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, yo, we got a call out. Some guys, like, chewing out in the street and this and that. And even though I knew I wasn't going to be doing anything, my heart was still racing. Oh, I was word. just like, oh, my gosh. So, yeah, yeah it's, de- it's, it's definitely different. It's you know, and sometimes even with the job, you'll go through things and in the moment you're like, okay, this is, and I think that pipe bursting was a wake up call for me just because I was like the first time. Back that, in plumbing. Yes. That, Cause that was the first time where something legit crazy happened to me that I needed to do something, but I kind of just froze. So after that, like something will happen now and it's just, you got to do something, you know, you got to keep moving. You got to, um, figure out what you're going to do, but I'll get into situations sometimes where that'll happen and I will figure it out. And then I'll sit back down and I'll look back at it and I'm like, how did I know? (laughs) How did I know to do that? Or how did I know that? So, so, I mean, that's part of, that's part of training as a cop. I'm sure as a SWAT officer that to, to be able to eliminate distractions and focus on the problem. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Things, you know, things are going to hit the fan. You just got to be able to, that's the great thing about school was just, they made it as as stressful as possible and as hard as possible, especially with like scenarios and stuff that, you know, I get in a situation now where it's something minor would happen and it's just nothing because the stress level is not there, but it, it prepares you. I mean, you have to train, you got to be ready. You have to, you know, con- you know, you have to continue to do it, not only just as a SWAT operator, but just as a police officer in general. I mean, not even as a police officer, but just, Anything that you do, you just got to continue to learn, continue to train. Like, I never, I'm always asking, hey, can I go to this training? Can I do this? Can I do that? You know, and that's how everyone should be just because you never stop learning, you know, in any career. You should continue to learn stuff. So one thing I'm curious about, Brandon, is how in your mind do you make the move from, oh, this is a training scenario where if I mess it up, nobody's actually going to die to... No, this is a real world scenario where things are out of control and wrong actions, wrong decisions can have real world impacts. Like you said, you said with school was great because it was so stressful yeah. and they made all these crazy scenarios. But how did you like turn off the part of your mind that's saying, oh, this is still just a training exercise and then move into the real world where now literally somebody died today or yeah. literally somebody got hurt today? I guess personally for me, it's just I don't see the difference because even though I know it's a training scenario, my heart's still racing. You still get tunnel vision. You still get, so you you're getting used to how your body's going to react. So like when I'm in a training scenario, like I take it super serious. Um, even with like my own department, when we have like firearms and we have munitions where it's scenarios with, uh, um, sim rounds, um, where, you know, you're actually being shot at, you're shooting back. So we're doing that. And, you're still having the same exact, it's probably the closest thing that you will get to real life. Yeah. Because your heart's still racing. 
you know, your breathing's going all crazy. You're getting tunnel vision, but you train yourself to get out of that stuff. You know, you control your breathing, you know, you just, you're kind of just learning how to react to all that stress and all, all of that. And that's what, that's what helps it just because you'll look at videos of, you know, things that happen and guys will be like, I don't remember. Like you, they'll be like, yeah, I got into a shooting or something and they won't remember any of it. But the reason why they were able to act and react to it's because of their training, you know? So it's just one of those things where you just got to continue to train. Hmm. It really puts things in perspective, you know, for us in the trades. I mean, certainly we deal with stressful situations and flood people's houses occasionally or the sparks are flying or somebody's upset because they're cold or hot. Uh, but man, that's, it's a whole nother level of stress when you have human lives involved yeah. and, and firearms and all the things that go with that and, and realizing that, uh, you know, your training has to be on point. Yeah. I mean, even when it comes to, I mean, we have the exact same things where people are not up, you know, it's funny because I did not think that people would call police for some things, but there's been so many times where people have called because they don't have hot water. Or <laughs> no because, way. Yes, they don't have hot water or their wa- their water's leaking or they can't get a hold of anyone. Oh, and this my and word. That. Yeah, so, like, those are definitely, like, you know, they're, they're definitely stressors as well because you're, like, you're really calling the police for that? Yeah. But we got a job, you know, we're yeah. the police. We have to respond to everything. So, uh, you know, you got neighbor problems and all that stuff. And then those are just tedious and annoying stressors, but they're still stressors. They're just still there. So, yeah, it's just... I never thought that going from plumbing, I'd still be I'd still be getting plumbing calls as a, as a police officer. You don't carry the tool bag in the truck and you know putting in a water heater at eleven o'clock. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh man. Hey, well, we really appreciate what you do, and obviously, um, I think it goes without saying that the the climate, the political climate, and everything that has surrounded police officers over the last two years has been difficult. How have you kind of made your way through? what has been, you know, ups and downs of perspectives on, on police and, and everything about that. And, and how have you kind of like processed through all that and ideally kind of coming into a little bit of a less yeah. um, erratic state of mind here? I don't know, man. Like, I mean, for, for one, my department's very, we have a very good relationship with our community, but I'm just me, man. Like how I'm talking to you right now is how I talk to, you know, Everyone, you know, the public and people on the street. And I, I, I didn't feel like I needed to change anything because I know who I am. I, I know who I am as a person. I know who I am as a police officer. So I have no fear that how I am is, you know, going to, you know, affect me in, in any type of way, if that makes sense. Yeah. You know, especially in, you know, the negative light. And it's just media. Media, you know, there's more. There, I personally believe that there's more good out there that there is bad. Oh, absolutely. But, you know, headlines is, you know, negative stuff, which is it's unfortunate just because that's not how it is out there. You know, in light of all the craziness that's going on right now, you know, you you can't, you won't believe how many people actually come up to me and thank me. They thank me for, you know, what I do and stuff like that. Like every probably, you know, during day shift, at least once a day, someone's like, hey, you know, thanks for what you do or this and that. And very rarely do I come across people that are being negative towards police and this and that. I mean, you get your average drunk, you know, they get drunk and they start saying stuff that they probably wouldn't even say if they weren't drunk, but 
yeah, it's you know, it's it's not as it's bad. It's it's hard being a police officer, but is there's more support out there than what the media shows. There's more good out there than what the media shows, and you know, it's unfortunate that not too many people know that. I think that's that's probably an intentional counterbalance because. I think people kind of get that opinion like, man, these guys are just getting beat up. And so like, yeah. they're going to step out of their normal routine to actually go about thanking yep. you. Like, Hey, we appreciate what you do because they know, or they, they feel like there's so much negativity coming to the other side. Yep. And mm-hmm. there's been plenty of times where we've gotten help from, you know, from the public. If it's just one person struggling, like, you know, they, something happens and they're fighting with someone, you'll get people from the public that will help you out. Yeah. And you know, I guess I'm we're a little spoiled because where I'm at, but I mean you go other places in the country, it's not gonna be that way. Right. So each place is different. Um, so but yeah, it's, there's there's more good out there than what, what we're seeing. So how old are you now? Twenty five. Twenty five. Yep. I'll so twenty six in a month. That's awesome, man. So literally from graduating college, going through trade school, working in plumbing to own a SWAT team by twenty five years of age. <laughs> It's crazy, man. <laughs> I did not. That's awesome. I set goals for myself, and I did not think they were going to be this. I told myself that one of the one things that I wanted to do was I wanted to have a house by 25. Well, you hit that goal way early. Yeah, and it's it's been a ride, man, but I'm just super thankful for a bunch of people, man. I, there's, there's a long list. There's a long list of people that I'd like to thank, you know, because I definitely didn't do this by myself, you know, from – you know, my mom, you know, she was the number one person that I saw right away that helped me out and how strong she was to, you know, Jason from, you know, Tuesday Church to, you know, you guys here, you know, with this, with uh, plumbing and my brother, you know, there, there, there's just a long list of people that have made me who I am today. And there's, you know, yeah, I put in the work, but if it wasn't for them, I probably wouldn't be here. So that's interesting, and I, I kind of want to bring it in for a landing here, Brandon. But with uh, with with what you just said there, I mean, if looking back, what do you have to say for somebody who doesn't have a Jason, a Billy, a Brian, a mom like yours in their life, and and they're like I said, they're staring down the barrel of their graduation. They're not sure what they're going to do, and they got they got somebody chirping on their shoulder, telling them some stuff that they probably shouldn't get into. And there's pretty much silence on the other side, pulling them back to you know the good path. Yeah. What do you got to say to the guy like that who's considering his ways? Hmm. Um. You know, it it it's kind of hard to answer that question because, like I said earlier, if you don't have any type of guidance, it's gonna be pretty hard for you to to make it, especially if you're around. You know, if you're getting pulled towards a negative way, but I'd say. Just start somewhere, you know. What I mean, at least have a plan, have a, have a, you know, a goal, and work towards that goal. And uh, if that doesn't work out, then just do another goal, do another goal. You know, think of something else to do. Um, just because, you know, for me at least, I was dead set on being a plumber. That changed very quick. You know what I mean? But it was okay. Exactly, and it, and it's okay to to change, you know, your path and your story and going, you know, each in the right direction. But as long as you're going in, in a positive direction and just don't stop and, you know, things, you know, life's not easy. It's going to get hard. It's going to get, you know, you're going to get beat down. You're going to, 
But in order for you to feel good, you have to go through that stuff. Because when you come out of it, it's such a great feeling rather than just everything being sunshine and rainbows all the time. Because if you don't go through the struggle, you're not going to know what the success feels like. So I guess that's what I would just say is uh, just decide on doing something. And uh, if that doesn't work out, then decide on doing something else. You know, try to be productive and positive with your life. And, you know, hopefully someone comes around and, you know, there's always someone out there that's going to help you or at least guide you. Yeah, and I'm sure in your current role, you unfortunately see the counterbalance to that argument of people that uh, did not make those choices and and chose to follow after some unfortunate influences. And that's got to be heartbreaking, you know, as you come across that week to week or however often it is to see those scenarios of people your age and younger who have made those choices and uh, what could have been different. Yeah, it's definitely... uh you definitely got to want it for yourself because, you know, I can try to help you as much as I I can, but if you're not willing to help yourself and do things within yourself, then no one's going to be, no one's going to do anything for you in life. So if you, you know, realize that quick and, you know, your back's up against the wall and you got one way to go and just keep going, you know, keep going forward. Cause yeah, you know, I could have had all those people around me help me, but if I didn't listen to them and, you know, keep moving forward with that. And then I wouldn't be here regardless. So it goes, comes back to yourself too. Like you said earlier, you know, you, you did that stuff yourself. So. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. All right, Brandon. So you are seven years out of high school, a couple years out of college, looking back over all that course of time, what would you say has been some of the most impactful lessons that you've learned that have turned you and molded you into the man that you are today? Um, just the no quit, the no, and I just recently realized this was my just no quit mentality. Like I said, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't the smartest person, but I didn't let that stop me from going, getting in some type of education. Um, I wasn't the most physically fit person, but you know, I worked my butt off and I got physically fit. <laughs> you sure you look know? plenty physically yeah. fit now. <laughs> you know, I played high, I played sports throughout high school and stuff like that. And, you know, that was my prime and I was good then, but I let myself go a little bit and I never thought I'd be able to get back to that, but I'm definitely in the best shape of my life, even while in high school. Wow. One thing I'll say too is, uh, I think what brought this, uh, no quit mentality was actually quitting something. Explain so, that. So, my sophomore year in high school, I quit football because it was uh, it was like three days or something, like mini camp, and it was just hard. It was you know anyone that's been through any type of football camp know it, it sucks. It's hot, you're tired, you're getting blisters and all that stuff. So I got to the point I was just like, yeah, I think I'm gonna quit. Like this is hard, so I quit. As soon as I did it, I regretted it. Mm. And I think I think I for, I think it might have been J- Jocko. He had in one of his podcasts and said that. Every person has to quit something, at least something once in their life to realize that you shouldn't quit. Hmm. So, and, you know, that's stuck with me now. I mean, it's just, I just don't have any quit with me up at school. I will, at no point that in my head was I, I'm going to quit. Like this sucks. It's going to quit. It sucked. It was horrible. It was hard, but I, I never thought about quitting. There was plenty of times where I would, they would tell us to do something and I'd be like, I don't know if I can do this. Like I, and I maybe that's just cause I have a lot of pressure within myself, but I just, I was like, I can't do this. It, it's wow. not, but I could never quit. 
And I remember there was this instructor, I won't say his name, but <laughs> he, I remember, I, this is where it all went downhill. He said, Hernandez, I like you, man. I don't know why, but I like you. But I'm going to break you. <laughs> oh, great. After that day, oh, he made my life a living hell. Ugh. Oh, man, he just wanted to break me so bad. Just kicked my butt. Like the the rest of the school, like, and I hated him so much, hated him. I was like, when I graduate, I'm not gonna shake his hand. I'm not gonna talk to him. Like, <laughs> so I knew they were all gonna try to be cool with me. Graduation comes and we finally made it. We're all done. We started at 55 and down to nine, and he comes up to me and he's like shaking everyone's hand, and I'm like, man, here comes this guy, man. I don't want to <laughs> shake his hand. I didn't even go out to shake his hand. He just grabbed my hand and he pulled me in for a hug, and he hugged me super tight. And he's like, Hernandez. I'm super proud of you, man. You know, you know, you want to know why? Because my sole purpose was to send you home and break you. And, you know, I wanted you gone because I knew you couldn't make it. But, dude, you completely proved me wrong. You had no quit in you. He's like, I beat you to the ground, but you had no quit in you. So after that, I was like, man, I can't be mad at this guy after wow. saying that. Yeah, after yeah. saying this to me. So, yeah, just having that no quit mentality, man. Like You can put, you know, your body through more than what you think. And, uh you know, like uh, I think it's David Goggins says, you're only when you when your body tells you that you're done, you're only at forty. Or when your mind tells you that you're done, you're only at truly only at forty percent capacity. Wow. So yeah, it's just finding just finding that inner, you know, no quit mentality inside of you and just keep moving forward. Not just physically, but mentally as well. You know, with any any job, any profession, any any person, just don't quit and just keep grinding and yeah. I mean, I have a long ways to go, but I feel pretty good where I'm at now. Yeah, man. And, uh, and no better place to wrap it up there uh, with, with that type of statement, Brandon. We here at the Waste No Day podcast, we appreciate everything that you're doing uh, on SWAT team, everything that you've been put through to get there. And we continue to encourage you to keep on pushing for that next level, man. Yeah, keep Thank serving. You. Appreciate what you're doing out there, walking the beat, keeping us safe, buddy, when I'm, when I'm over in your, uh, in your county there. Yeah, thank um, you. Before before we do though, I, I know that all the plumbers, HVAC techs, and electricians have this same question. <laughs> what is it that makes you decide to, or not to, pull over a contractor? <laughs> a contractor? Yeah, you see, like uh, you see. Uh, now I don't want to say Sparkies because I know plumbers just naturally would have to pull over electricians if they're if they become police officers. But oh, there's been so many times I see a Ben Franklin truck and I want to stop it. <laughs> He's texted me a few of those times. <laughs> um, I don't know. I mean, it gets done. I actually I stopped the contractor truck. It wasn't a Ben Franklin truck. It was just a like a personal truck and. It ended up being uh, a friend from high school. <laughs> oh man, <laughs> she was she was driving her dad her dad's truck, and yeah. So it's a small world out there. I mean, you meet people that. So what is it though? Like speeding aside, and I know there's certain parameters you guys probably follow. Where if it's over this mile per hour, you, you got to pull them over. It's if it's three over, you're not going to bother. But if you see a, is, is there anything a contractor, a, a HVAC tech, a plumber, electrician can do? To to less likely be pulled over, definitely texting. Oh, you're you're pulling them over for texting. Oh yeah, and boy, should you? Yeah, probably <laughs> probably texting. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, that's probably the biggest thing because I mean we're all busy, so we're trying to get somewhere. But you know, you're driving a big truck and stuff like that, and 
you start veering off the road and you don't even realize it. So mm. that's probably the biggest thing that I see with construction vehicles and stuff like that. And definitely speeding too. I mean, we're all trying to get somewhere. So. <laughs> is there a certain speed limit they should, they should, uh, I know there's the quote unquote speed limit, yeah, but we I all think know it that's is called the speed limit. Merely yeah, a suggestion. Speed limit. <laughs> He's on record here. Yeah. What are you trying to do, Brian? Yeah, okay. <laughs> so at, at 56 and a 55 done and done. Huh? All right. Good. Good to know. Uh. <laughs> Yeah, well, like I said, Brandon, it's it's been uh, it's been awesome catching up with you, man, and we are super pumped to see you succeeding in your career, even if it's not with us, which we're disappointed about. Yeah, but yeah maybe, sending maybe, us great guys, man. Yeah, maybe Call after I here. retire, I'll come back and. Uh, there you go. Yeah, yeah, right. Absolutely, man. There's <laughs> yep. room for you here. <laughs> we'll make it happen. But uh, yeah, it's been awesome catching up with you, and we do really appreciate everything you do. And I think this is a, another good message that resonates with that next generation, people who are on the brink of trying to figure out what they want to do with their life. And to see the journey, not an easy one by mm -hmm. any stretch that you've come through from not sure, not sure what you wanted to do coming out of school, not really having a place to go or anything to do all the way to literally being a SWAT officer is just, that's phenomenal, man. Yeah. I still can't believe it myself. So I appreciate it. Yeah. Mm. Awesome. Uh, well, uh, just uh, kind of wrapping up here, Brandon, thanks so much for being on the show. It's been a pleasure. We really appreciate having you, and don't be a stranger. Yeah, for sure. Thank thanks, you. buddy. Thank you. Well, that's everything that we have for our podcast today. It was so good to hear from Brandon Hernandez and catch up with him. Uh, he is uh, just a fantastic guy with an awesome story and one that we want to get out there and let others be encouraged by it, by not only his own journey and struggles, but also by his current successes and the ones that he has yet to achieve that he's pushing for. Uh, if you're looking to have that type of mentality and that, uh, you know, no quit mentality, um, the trades is a good place to refine that. And we sure love to introduce you to more of that. So uh, come on by, stop in or check in with a local contractor in your area and or a uh, a uh, trade school and find out what that's all about because there's such a need for good people who have that mentality of of pursuing more and expecting more within themselves that's the mentality that we have here the waste no day podcast is the one that we choose to promote every single week that we do this and we hope that you're following with us and every day that you're choosing up choosing to wake up to waste no day